You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick and Matty Rose on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Stopping all over Voice Sky, all over yep. Redbone, just flags all over the place here. Field is littered with laundry, George. It's true. Ten yards. Um, objectionable conduct. Move them back. Bottom of the hour, um, we will do our um, lock of the day. Oh, yeah. The segment is back. We'll do that. Uh, we'll talk about the Flames 3-1 loss. Look ahead to the game against the Blues. But right now, NFL analyst for CBS Sports and the NFL Network brought to you by Tom's House of Pizza. Pizza made to perfection with locations in Calgary and Okotoks. We say good morning to our friend, Mr. Charles Davis. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys today? Uh, we're good. We're in the uh, the afterglow of uh, the divisional round of the playoffs. And I, and I think I got to start in Buffalo. Um, I just feel for those fans, yeah. Charles, man. Like, it's just soul-crushing loss after soul-crushing loss. And, of course, it's a field goal that drifts yeah. wide right, which has burned, seared in the memory <laughs> of, of so many Bills fans. Uh, so much to unpack in this game. I wanted to ask you. Stefan Diggs, uh, he's a guy that his brother goes on social media saying, hey, you know, he was nothing until Josh Allen was nothing until Big Bro got there and all these things right. and some of his antics. You got to have that catch, right? And you can't point at the yeah, quarterback. Absolutely. That thing was there. And if you're Stefan Diggs and you're a guy that goes around that I'm one of the best receivers in football, you got to have that, right, Charles? Don't disagree one bit. I think that you're spot on on that one. Um, let me go back to what you started with for the fans of Buffalo. Sure. I mean, my goodness, right? The things they've been through, and if you are of a certain vintage, which would be my vintage since I'm almost 60 years old, he went through those four straight Super Bowls and no wins. You know, when you were the dominant team, when you were there each and every year, and I know there's a great appreciation for being able to do that four times in a row, similar to how we're having the appreciation for Kansas City six straight times now in the AFC Championship game. Incredible. You know, those things, there's an appreciation. But at the end of the day, we want to see people win, right? <laughs> we want to see you hoist the trophy. We want to see you break through. And unfortunately, Buffalo hasn't had their breakthrough. It's not over. They can get there. But you just feel for that fan base, those people, because a lot of the youngsters, it's been passed down to them, hasn't it? And I will tell you exactly who I will liken them to. You ready? Mm-hmm. Boston Red Sox fans before they had their breakthrough. Right. Because they went through that all the time. And if you know, and you guys do, but you know anything about the United States and New England and that area? Yep. A lot of Calvinists there. And Calvinists are used to suffering. And they almost, almost embrace suffering. And that's the Boston Red Sox fans. So I hate that for the Buffalo people. But to your point, there was no interference on the play. Justin Reed didn't even really make a play on the ball. He was just trying to be in the vicinity at that point because he knew he was beat. That was one of the best thrown footballs when you consider the conditions of the night, single-digit you know, weather, wind, the whole deal. Of course, Josh Allen cuts right through with that incredible arm of his, and it's there. It's there for the taking. And could you imagine if Josh Allen was a petty quarterback and got to the bench and started screaming at Stephon Diggs for not catching the football? Could you imagine if that if that was right. in his nature, what we would have right now? A turnabout's fair play, man. Mm-hmm. He's screaming at me all the time, watch catch football. Well, we know that's not his nature, but I'm with you. That's one that's there. And, yeah, we're going to look at the kick, kicker. It always comes down to the kicker. 
But how many times do we go back through a game and go, there was an opportunity, there was an opportunity, there was an opportunity, never should have got to the kicker. Um, Charles, the, the fake punt call by Sean McDermott, uh, he said post-game that it was because uh, they couldn't get any stops they on Kansas been. City. Kansas City didn't punt until the fourth oh. quarter. But at the same time, Charles, oh. now you're 0-3 against Andy oh. Reid in divisional round games. And at what point, you know, that's his defense that's out there trying to make yeah. the stops. And again, like it's 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 a very difficult yeah. situation, and I'm not advocating for the Bills to move on from Sean McDermott. But at what point do you say no. if you're the Bills franchise, like do we need another guy to get us over the hump? Like how how do you handle the situation? Because it's just deja vu all over again for the Bills. Natural inclination. We see we've seen it multiple times where he's not the person. Let's go get in someone else. Remember when the Buccaneers thought Tony Dungy couldn't get him over the hump? Yeah. And they went and got John Gruden, and he got the Super Bowl, but never got back there again. Tony went and got his Super Bowl in Indianapolis. I see it a lot in college football where, you know, we've won eight or nine. We've got to get to the next level. Well, sometimes you're at that level. <laughs> and, and, and they whack that guy. The next person comes in doesn't get him anywhere close to eight or nine. I would resist the temptation. I think that Sean McDermott's the right guy for them. I'm glad you told me what he said in the presser because I hadn't seen that. Because when I was watching the game, here's what occurred to me. There's a report that Jay Feely made where he said there were 10 on the field for Kansas City. They didn't have their 11th guy out there. My immediate thought was, well, maybe Buffalo counted 10 and audibled into the fake Mm. because they had the extra guy. Hearing Sean McDermott say, no, (laughs) we had it called. Here's why. Let's not forget that while I would have said no, I would have punted the football. I was screaming at the TV, or at least internally, punt the football. Don't do anything. I don't know why you ran a fake here. His thinking is, how many starters do I have missing on defense, and how long can I continue to hold up? And that I get. Because you remember, before the game even started, how many different guys were either playing hurt on defense or weren't available. And I think that Sean McDermott at that stage was wondering to himself how much longer do I have an opportunity? Do I go? Because on the surface, it's a lousy call. All right. On the surface, no, don't do that. Mm-hmm. But when you go a little bit deeper, okay, I can get with Sean's reasoning. I can understand it. But I would have liked to have heard, well, we counted 10 and we audibled into it. Because that makes the most sense to me. But they didn't even do that. They had it called because he just thought he didn't have enough left to punch with. And I do have, have an understanding of that because they had guys going down left and right even before the game began. How much did the Bills miss Gabe Davis in that game last night? They missed him to a great extent in terms of that big target that's forgiving when you throw the football, not that Josh Allen's inaccurate because he's not, but he can go up and make those big body catches, and he is a bigger receiver than the defensive backs he was going to play against. All right, He could have used that body and done that. That's why tight ends have success when they're able to get in there and get matched up with a, with a corner or a nickelback. So he would have had success that way. Not to the extent where he had that monster game, you know, with all those all those yards and catches and all that. I don't think that happens, you know, <laughs> every time you play. But that's another weapon down. But I think for both teams, when you look through that ball game, who did you have? Who were you missing? Who made mistakes? And one thing I want to turn it to very quickly is each team is going to rue opportunities that were lost, right? Oh, we, we, Kansas City's like, we could have put this one away if McCole Hardman holds the football at the goal line. 
Yeah, true, but that's taking away that Jordan Poyer made a heck of a play and popped it out and made that play. So let's not just say that McCole Hartman lost the ball. He made it. How about when Josh Allen was scrambling and got hit and the ball's coming free and Kansas City looks like they're going to scoop and score? And Kincaid, the, the rookie tight end, gets a hand on it and keeps the scoop, scoop and score from happening, and they keep possession. So everyone had opportunities, multiple most of the time, the other team was involved in helping make those plays happen as well. So that's why I thought it was just a heck of a game. Look, Styles make the fight. You guys boxing fans, I think, or, or UFC fans, Styles make the fight. And these two teams, their styles, this is like the best boxing trilogies, four-time fights that we've ever seen. Because every time they get together, their styles make for a close game, a competitive game, and a game that – the loser always walks away going, ha, we, should, we had a chance to win that one today. Charles, who impressed you more in a losing effort, C.J. Stroud or Jordan Love? <sighs> For one game, Love. Mm. Not, that, not that, that Love didn't have a heck of a finish, but take away the last probably two possessions, he had his team in a position to win that football game. Stroud never got that activated because you remember their points came. They got the field goal. Great. Yep. But then when was their touchdown? It's punt on a punt return. return. Yep. And then Baltimore effectively throttled them the rest of the way with Jordan love. They were, they were moving the football. They were, they were playing from the front. They were, they were scoring points. They had the, they had San Francisco on the ropes. In fact, I think NBC did that game. Correct. I think that was Trico and Collinsworth. That, that graphic Fox. they popped up there. Oh, excuse me. Was, uh, oh, yes, yeah, right. It was Kevin. It was Kevin Burkhardt and 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 Greg Olson and, and their crew. But the graphic that was popped up by Richie Zayats, the producer, and Rich Russo, the director, in the fourth quarter, that Kyle Shanahan was what zero and thirty in the fourth quarter when teams had a five point or more lead. I was like, oh, that was almost like chilling. Like, whoa, really? Yeah. And here's Brock Purdy, who's used to playing from the front, right? Who's used to being in the lead. We, we call it throwing from the rocking chair when everything's going real easy for you. And this one, he was going to have to do something different. His offense was going to have to be different. Their team was going to have to be different. I think that the, the way that they won that game may have done more for them in the rest of their pursuit of a Super Bowl than anything they've done throughout this season. Because this wasn't one where they just jumped on someone and then elevated from there they had to go get this one and Brock Purdy had to go get it and that was something I think he needed as a quarterback and they needed as a team given the groups around them the divisions they play in management teammates etc who gets to a Super Bowl first CJ Stroud or Jordan Love they might they might meet each other <laughs> oh. <laughs> they might they might they might meet each other and get there Green Bay's the youngest team in the league Youngest team in the league. And those receivers are all growing at the exact same time Jordan Love is. And Jordan Love's been in the league, what, four years? He's just 24. He was 20 when he got to the league. Mm -hmm. So he's a baby too, all right? So he's really young. Stroud, on the other hand, I still believe needs a few more pieces. And, and that's what Nick Casario, the GM, and the rest of the crew are going to have to go out and get. Because Tank Dell, they're going to get him back. That will be great. But he's still a, a smaller receiver. And you better be careful about what you're asking them to do, blocking and being in traffic, because that's what got him hurt in the first place. 
The idea of Tank Dell going in and digging out Justin Simmons, which Justin Simmons looked up and said, you've got to be kidding, right? And destroyed him and got it bent in a pile and broke his leg. You got to think of those things when you have smaller guys. I will go and say Green Bay first ahead of Houston, but it's, it's really a toss-up. It really is a toss-up. Charles Davis, NFL analyst, CBS Sports, NFL Network, joining us courtesy of Tom's House of Pizza. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. I want to get your opinion, Charles, on the performance of Brock Purdy. I know it was pouring rain. It was wet. Didn't yep. seem to affect the way Jordan Love was throwing the football, but some of just the, the bad throws that he was making, mm-hmm. the, the savage drop, which should have been a pick six, obviously, for the yeah. Packers. I just want to get your opinion on his performance because I thought it was spotty. It was. It was spotty. I think your your word for it is perfect. It was absolutely spotty. And I think it was encapsulated with that great replay when he went in the pocket and in the middle of the play he's shaking you know, he's rubbing his hand on his uniform to try and get walk moisture off of it to throw the football. This is part of why when 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 we go through combine pro days, measurements and all that that can be mind numbing. And after a while, we all throw our hands up and go, is he a good football player or not? Why are we worried about this? That was part of the thing that when Brock came out, were the hands big enough? Could they handle the weather? Can they do Josh Allen had no, no issues throwing the football in his weather, right? Patrick Mahomes, no issues throwing in his. You see, Jordan Love, bigger, bigger kid, bigger hands did it. Brock struggled in that situation. That's part of why he ended up going later in the draft, even though he's had as much success as, as, as anyone coming out, if not more, right? So these are the things that show up at certain times when the conditions aren't perfect. But you're right, it was spotty. That's why what, what I talked about before, that last drive and being able to take them down and score and win was huge for them. Huge, because if they don't get that done and we're looking at him and Jordan Love gets the better of him in a game like that in bad weather conditions, that's a big meeting in the offseason for San Francisco. Is he truly that guy for us? Kind of like Miami's going through the Tua got us to a certain point. Can he take us farther? Hmm. If if, if Purdy doesn't have that drive and San Francisco doesn't advance on, that meeting has commenced already out in Santa Clara. Hmm. Like, is this as far as he can take us? Guaranteed. Fascinating. Uh, what did you think of uh, Pierce being named the head coach or going to be named the head coach of the Raiders and perhaps the mutiny we might have seen if they didn't go this way? <laughs> I think what happened on that one is Antonio Pierce benefited greatly from the fact that they made the mistake last time and didn't name Rich Bisaccia the head coach when the team wanted it, when the team played for him, when they got to the playoffs off of a brutal situation and John Gruden being replaced and all those things that went through and the team clearly played for Rich Passaccia over a longer term period, right? Or about the same amount of games, right? Between him and Pierce, somewhere in that same neighborhood, right? Should have beat the Bengals. And I think that he benefited. Yeah. Look, I think, I really think that he benefited from that one where it happened that way before, because I think that Mark Davis's instinct is to have star power as, as in the head coaching position, Big names, you know, names that we in the media have talked about forever, things of that nature. In this case, the team spoke this time and said, hey, maybe we didn't speak out enough last time. And when Max Crosby says, if you don't name him head coach, I'm going to ask for a trade. 
This time they listened. So I do think Antonio Pierce benefited from that and the fact that the team played well under his guidance. And when you think about it, he beat everyone else in the division as a head coach, mm-hmm. including Kansas City on Christmas Day in Kansas City. That was huge for him. Um, speaking of teams that have uh, the redemption uh, or love their coach, uh, the Lions and Dan Campbell, off to a championship game. Yeah. Uh, people in Detroit are just over the moon right now with an opportunity to potentially get to the Super Bowl, which is crazy. What's the bigger story, Charles? The job Dan Campbell has done, or maybe this Jared Goff redemption story? It's tied together because they could have very easily said Jared Goff's not the guy right from day one. Think about it. It was a brand new head coach. It was a brand new general manager, Brad Holmes. And they could have made the decision, lead consensus is you're not our guy. Let's go get our own guy and start. Instead, they, they bought into Jared Goff right from the beginning. You may have seen that scene, was it two weeks ago in the locker room? where he gave the game ball and all he said was, you're good enough for Detroit, Jared. Mm -hmm. And that spoke volumes, right? You're good enough for us. One, there's one piece that has not been publicized that I think should be, and I'm going to bring it out now. Brad Holmes is rightly getting accolades for the job as a GM. Rightly so. Dan Campbell, rightly so as the head coach. Chris Spielman is working behind the scenes the former great lion, former broadcaster, he had a heavy influence on both of those hirings that no one is talking about. And because of his influence and in, in, in getting those two hired, look at, what it, look at what has transpired since then. Chris Bielman knew hiring Dan Campbell wasn't a popular way or the easy way to go. But I had a conversation with him three days before the hiring of Dan Campbell. And he told me privately, and I can say it now because we're well down the road, he's who we need. Yeah, we may, he may not be popular with you know, all you people, but he's who we need. And Brad Holmes, he did his homework on him, another conversation we had had. He did the homework and, and promoted that and went for it. He's not being talked about because Chris isn't putting himself out there to be. He wants them to be the front people. But behind the scenes, I don't know Chris's exact title, but something like um, special assistant to the president, special assistant to the owner, something like that. He has he has helped make this happen, and and he's really not getting the credit he deserves for it. What did you think watching Jameer Gibbs in that game? (laughs) Well, this comes back to Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell again. Mm -hmm. Okay, people didn't have conviction about us. But guess what? We have conviction about this, and we realize we're getting Jameer Gibbs at 12, which is way higher than we're supposed to get him. You could get him at such and such a number. No, no, we like him. We're taking him now. You know what it reminded me of? No. Remember Travis Frederick, the center for, for Dallas? Remember him when he was the all-pro center? And he got drafted in the first round, and people lost their minds. People were like, you can get him in the third. <laughs> yeah, but we liked him. We wanted him now. And guess what? He became an all-pro center. If you have conviction on a player and you like him, it's not, it doesn't matter what number you take him. You just got to take him and put him into your lineup. And they did that. And you know something? For a coach and a general manager both coming in without you know, the accolades and without having you know, the, the skins on the wall, that tells you about who they are as people in terms of conviction, doesn't it? And boy, has that paid off. Charles, we, we had this kind of conversation earlier. I want to get your opinion on it. 
starting today, outside Lamar Jackson, fantastic. A little rusty probably in the first half, yeah. that whole rest versus rust, and then they just took over yeah, in the sure. second half, and he was incredible. How many quarterbacks right now are you taking over Lamar Jackson? <laughs> it's a short list. Mahomes. The short list is the old. And then? It's, it's, it's the, it's the, yeah, it's the old Bum Phillips we used to talk about. There's like, is there anyone better than than Earl County? He, he used to say, I don't know how many are better, but when you take the role, it's a real short list. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if, if there is any. He said, it doesn't take long to call the role. Yeah, I mean, you know, are you taking Mahomes over Jackson? I probably would. Okay. Um, Allen would be in that conversation, you know. But the way that they play for who he is, and I do think that this is one where my former colleagues, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, I thought they nailed it. Because they talked about in the regular season, there's no quarterback truly, in their opinion, that means more to their team offense, et cetera, than with the way they, the Baltimore runs offense through Lamar Jackson. That was constructed for him, through him, around him. And the seeds of it were done before they ever drafted him. Yeah. Okay, because they, they, they went through their exercises as an organization. If we draft him, what does it have to look like? What do we have to do? They didn't just pick him and go, okay, what do we do now? They had a plan before he ever got there. So give Ozzie Newsom, Eric DaCosta, now the GM, uh, Ozzie Newsom, the Hall of Fame GM and player, John Harbaugh's head coach, and the rest of that organization. Give them credit for seeing the future and having a plan, and now they continue to execute it. And, of course, the plan continues to evolve because now it's not Greg Roman calling offense. It's Todd Munkin, and we've seen the evolution and the elevation in play of Lamar Jackson. Very small list. And frankly, you could easily say you would take no one because if you plug other people into how Baltimore runs offense, right? can they do what Lamar Jackson does? And the answer is no. Well, it- Maybe Josh Allen, but it's a different running style. Josh Allen is going to run through you Lamar Jackson going to make you miss and maybe get farther for the most part. Notwithstanding what we saw in the playoffs, Josh with that great fake and 50-something yards. But overall, Josh is going to be much more of the power runner. Lamar is going to be the one that you think might be the home run hitting type guy. Then, Charles, why why the, the issue with the contract in the offseason between the Ravens and, and Lamar Jackson? And then there was talk that maybe they trade Lamar Jackson. If I'm yeah. a team that doesn't have a quarterback, like, and I watch what he did on Sunday – like, what, why didn't we go out and try to get this guy? Like, what would the Atlanta Falcons look like with Lamar Jackson <laughs> at quarterback? I just, just the disrespect well, this guy's had his entire career, taken where he was at the end of the first round, the old, oh, he's just a running back who throws a football. Like, and then even this offseason, oh, they shouldn't pay Lamar Jackson. That was a fluke. He won the MVP in 19. He's just a running guy who throws the football. But I watched that game on, on Saturday he is the most unstoppable player in the NFL, Charles, in my opinion. And I'm not going to fight you on that, but I do think that what we're talking about is his improved play yeah. over his time in the NFL. Not that he was ever bad, but remember when they had to have a plan for him, that's, a, that's one reason so many teams quote-unquote shy away because you've got to remake what you do and you've got to have the conviction that you're going to stick with what's going on with it. It's a different deal. And we talk about Atlanta. Arthur Smith was a terrific offense coordinator with Tennessee, and that's why he got the Atlanta job, right? 
He came into this year with much fanfare about positionless football. We've got Kyle Pitts we can do this with. We've got B. John Robs we can do that with. And they couldn't run offense. So I'm not sure what he would have done with Lamar. And I'm not trying to denigrate Arthur Smith. It's just you have to have that plan in place and understand. And we've watched Lamar get better at what he does. Because part of the reason they lost to Tennessee when they were the number one seed and he was the MVP was he couldn't hit open targets with great accuracy. Guess what? He's not hit. He's hitting them now, and he's hitting them in a big time. He has so improved as a thrower, okay, in terms of accuracy, not just putting it on people, because accuracy is not just simply a guy that completes a pass. It's how you complete the pass. Is it the right spot? Do you keep him on his feet? Do you bring him down in front of the safety? Is it, is it, is it hitting him on the slant, on the move? All those things that go with it, right? You know that. Is it, this, is it the front number versus the back number? He's doing those things now. I don't think that throughout his career we could say with any consistency that that was truly happening, but we can now, and that's where he is the ultimate guy. Yeah, the rest of the league looks stupid, but the other part is the Cleveland Browns destroyed the, 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 the pay structure with Deshaun Watson, and no one wanted to go anywhere close to that structure again, and that was, part of, that was another part of the reason Lamar had to fight for that contract. We got a couple of conference championships coming up this weekend as a result. Uh, let's start in the NFC. Who do you like, Lions and 49ers? Look, America's team is uh, – the, the Detroit Lions are America's team, and they're good enough to get it done. I like San Francisco. Small caveat, let's see where Debo Samuel is for this mm, game. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be available, and is he available to do the things that they need him to do where he can play the wide back as well as the wide receiver and return kicks? That's going to be the tough part for them. We're going to find out if San Francisco's run defense is up to the, up to the task because Detroit's going to test them because Green Bay sure, sure gashed them. I like San Francisco at home in a real close one. But boy, oh boy, the Lions are truly America's team, starting with hard knocks and Dan and the whole deal. But did you see at the end of the game Sunday, yesterday where both he and Todd Bowles messed up clock management? Yep. Because when they went to the kneel downs, oh, yeah. Todd Bowles had a, t- a, a, he had a timeout in his, head, in his pocket. Could have yep. stopped it. He needed to use the timeout, and he never used it. And Detroit didn't use up enough full time in taking the knees. There should have been time out there for possibly Tampa Bay to have one last shot. It's kind of interesting that both of them messed it up. Fortunately for Detroit, I'm just going to say come Sunday, you can't mess up anything when you're playing with San Francisco. The other side, we have the Kansas City Chiefs. They're going to head to Baltimore and play on the road for a second straight week in the playoffs. Uh, what are you looking at for this yep. matchup? I think, it's one, I think it's a great matchup because Mahomes, how much fun is he having now shattering the, well, you never played on the road in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. Next, let's move on from that. You guys, have you guys met me yet? I mean, I feel like he's like, have you guys met me? Yeah. All right, this, this is what I do. All right. This is the challenges I take on. They got Kelsey activated. The defense struggled with the run game, and that would scare the heck out of me, right? Because here comes Baltimore. They're gonna they're gonna go heavy at you with it. And Lamar is the extra extra dimension as Josh was for for Buffalo. So Buffalo ran it really well all the way up to near the end of the game, and then when they couldn't run it, they get into those long yardage situations. Baltimore a little bit more up to the task, I think, running the football because that's their DNA. And it just feels like Baltimore's time. 
It just absolutely feels like their time, yeah. especially when what I think Mike McDonald's going to run at Kansas City's offensive line in terms of not just blitzes, but simulated looks, twists, all those things. If I'm Kansas City, I'm really worried about my offensive tackles because I think Donovan Smith has struggled when he's been on the field at left tackle all year long. Juwan Taylor's the more talented player, but he's got over 20 penalties, and they pop up at the exact wrong time. I just think that might be the spot where they're vulnerable, and I expect Baltimore to attack there. This feels like Baltimore's time, and I say that at the same time seeing this flash of a guy wearing 15 in red and white laughing at me. Hmm. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, we've seen him do it so many times. I think he was a three and one as a starting quarterback versus Baltimore. I think Lamar got him the last time they played when he had that fourth down play. It was a great play. I just feel like Baltimore's defense is the difference in this game. Hmm. They've got enough to deal with and off they go. So if we get Baltimore, San Francisco for a Super Bowl, I'm up for it. Ooh, that'll be all right. Um, Charles, real quick, and you've been so generous with your time. Wanted to ask you before yeah. we go: If I'm Bill Belichick and they're calling me for a second interview, like, do I just need you to like pictures of my rings, like a second interview? Really? Yeah. Did you not look over my resume I'm enough? Surprised. Like I, like I get yeah, it. They talk with I'm ownership and division, but it's like I'm Bill Belichick. Yeah. Why are you calling me again for another interview? I had a GM from the league call me. I thought it sounded like Mr. Name Dropper Don. I had a GM from the league call me. Well, we're friends, okay? So so he calls and he goes, hey, man, did you ever think we'd live in a world that Bill Belichick would have to do interviews? Exactly. And I was like, no. I was like, no. Why is he doing an interview? Why didn't he just say, do you want me or not? Yeah. Like, you know, if I'm interested, I want the job. And what's amazing to me is that he's doing the interviews. I mean, we're seeing a lot of this. Jim Harbaugh is doing double interviews. He's the same one. I'm like, I'm just really surprised he's not like, listen, if I'm going to leave Michigan, why am I interviewing? Like, right. you should know me by now. We're, we're, we're meeting to talk about terms, not, not interviews. So it's a different world out there. And I'll leave it with this. I'm seeing the same names for every single job that are being interviewed. And the one name that is not there that I think everyone's still missing on is Lou Anarumo, the defense coordinator of Cincinnati. That is a leader of people. That is a leader of men. And that's what you need in head coaches. And I think the league's making a ma major mistake if someone doesn't give that man a job. Uh, Charles, next week at this time, we'll know the Super Bowl matchup. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, it's we'll, gonna be fun, won't grill it? Grill you yeah. on the Pro Bowl. Yeah, we're gonna we're just gonna grill you about the Pro Bowl. Ask what the best flag football matchups are and all that kind of stuff. So we'll I, do that next week. I, I, I can help. I can help you with that one really quick. <laughs> I don't know and I don't care. All right, oh, okay. and I love you guys. Easy enough. Interviews done. Wow. Easy but, enough. But, I mean, I mean, we're, we're done with the Pro Bowl, right? We've moved on from there. Yep. What I need from you is to help me with the format for the NHL All-Star game, <laughs> right? Four-team format. I know one of the Flames is now a captain and all the other stuff. That's what I need from you because that's way more interesting than who won the dodgeball game at the Pro Bowl. Okay. okay. We'll break it down for you next week, Charles. Thanks for this. Love you guys. Be good. There he is, Charles Davis, NFL analyst, CBS Sports, NFL Network. Brought to you by Tom's House of Pizza. Pizza made to perfection with locations in Calgary and Okotoks. Tate McRae from Calgary. She's yeah. a cat. Yeah. Celebrity yeah. captain. Yeah. Will Arnett. Bieber's involved too, right? Will Arnett, Biebs, and... Oh, my God. Who am I missing? 
Michael Bublé. Right? There you go, yeah. Bublé with the, the you know Hughes what? brothers. You know that's pretty good star power. It's not bad. It's Canadian celebrities. You got Jack and Quinn Hughes picking a team with yeah. Bublé. Will like, Arnett's like yeah. one of the most. He's recognizable. Po- well, he's he's got the most listened to podcast in North America. That's not mm. New Heights. That doesn't have a Kelsey in it and Smartless. Mm. Like they get, they interviewed Arnold Schwarzenegger on Christmas. Mm. It's not bad. I never miss an episode. I, hey. a, a matter of fact. It's Monday. That means the new episode's dropped. Let's oh, see. Who right. we got on uh, today's new episode? Um, we should we should get to the break, but we got to do our NFL big bets. Yeah. Brought to you by Sports Select right now. Patrick, what did we do on the weekend? Well, uh, Maddie just needed to have two more wins. Mark than me. Ruffalo. No, that's oh. a pretty good get. The like, Hulk, like Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Weird, weird casting for the Hulk, though. Uh, mm. not really. Mm. Well, he kind of does look like Bruce Banner. And that's kind of the basis. Yeah, he doesn't have to look like Hulk, like Hulk. because that's yeah. a lot of CGI. So. I liked it when he was like when he was like nice Hulk, and he was wore glasses in the Avengers. Where yeah, he's like yeah, taking yeah, pictures yeah. of sweater people. vest. Yeah, yeah, the sweater vest. That was <laughs> yeah. great. But Lou Ferrigno will always be the OG Hulk. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Great uh, hair. Maddie just needed to have two more wins than me, and he clinched. So Matt, well, will... how did he clinch? We can go oh! six. We can go six every week. Yeah, well, there's only twelve games left. He's got a fourteen game lead. There's six. Th- we'll have two matchups, okay. so six and six. So, he, yeah, All I can't right. catch him. Okay. Maddie wins it back-to-back years. Oh, great. Uh, he went three and three. It was a bad no, week overall. Uh, you were supposed to say congratulations. Not great, great. job. Thank you. Appreciate uh, it. I went one and five. Ugh, uh, sit, wolf. Sitting 60, 56, and four. And, George, you're four, uh, three games back of me after two and four week. Yeah. Uh, I just want to get over the Mendoza line. Yeah, sorry guys. Three and three. I don't love a three and three a week. We'll be better next week. Sorry guys. Uh, NFL clinched. big bets. You go with six the rest. Of the, oh, and twelve the rest of the way. You're winning. Uh, NFL. <laughs> not, for the listeners, uh, not for not the for listeners. Not for the listeners. They got to make some money. Uh, NFL big bets brought to you by Sports Select. Prove <laughs> your sports IQ for you. and claim the title with Sports Select pools. Make your picks at SportsSelect.com. Must be eighteen plus. Please play responsibly. Um, reading we're gonna, charts. Our lock stats. of the days back. We'll do that next. Looking at numbers. And we'll talk about a Flames debut from Saturday night. Matchups, injury reports. The big show. Russell and Rose. Sportsnet 960. The Weather. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's the big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960. The fan. We'll wrap up today's edition with lock of the days back. Courtesy of our friends at Metal Supermarkets. The lock of the day is back. We'll do that in about six, seven minutes from now. Flames off tonight. They host the St. Louis Blues tomorrow night down at the Dome as the six-game homestand continues. Uh, Flames dropped a 3-1 decision to the Oilers in the Battle of Alberta on Saturday night where Adam Klapka made his NHL debut. was nice. Came on on the ice, that giant human being. Did the little backhand sauce right away. I appreciated that they only knocked down like four pucks. Yeah. Like, you know, they have them all stacked on the boards there yeah, when he didn't do the whole thing. Yeah. Well, he didn't use that massive mitt to just like knock His all giant arm, yeah, big paw. Yep. To just knock them all on. It's just like, oh, I only need three. Yeah. Efficient. Uh, it was nice. Did you hear his uh, post game interview with Pat Steinberg, by the I way? I did. Did you like how it started? Oh, you played for us then? Yeah. Uh, GVP's ready. Adam, I know you, you would have loved this to be a win, but just, uh, I guess, take us through the entire experience in your first NHL game. Yeah, hi. I just want to say hi to you. Um, I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you're... Yeah, hi. I just want to say hi to you. Yeah. Uh, 
I was oh, like, that's, that's so, so sweet. Cute. That's nice. But it's obviously like his agent is like, make sure that you're like making, like you're like acknowledging the host when you're doing interviews. Sure, yeah. yeah. And there's maybe a little bit of a language barrier there. And I, it's just very sweet. The Listen. entire experience in your first NHL game. Yeah, hi. I just want to say hi, too. Um, I mean, you know, again, so again, like tip of the cap to him and Sharon Govich. Obviously, English, not their first language. And yeah. it's not easy to do radio interviews. No. Hell no. It is not easy. And that it's was like, a post game. Yeah. Granted, it's just like he how, wasn't it's skating just like a whole lot in the third there. Vlad Jr. pretends like he can't speak English when he, he can speak English. Because his dad used to do that all the time. <laughs> I don't want to take to the media, so I'm just going to pretend like I can't yeah, speak English. Yeah, the translator comes out. Well, he's like, really, yeah. bro? Yeah. Really? Yeah. He can. <laughs> just doesn't want to. I wouldn't want to. I would and again, I'd do it, too. If I was Vlad, I'd be like, hey, I ain't uh, saying nothing. Tip of the cap to <laughs> Adam Klapka talking to the media, talking to Patty uh, after the game. Um, he's a large human being, used his size. Big boy. Yeah, big <laughs> Big, big, big boy. What did you think of his play on Saturday night? Yeah, he's limited. Six minutes ice time. He like what I loved was he saw a couple of instances when he was kind of on the prowl on the forecheck mm-hmm. where he realized, oh, I've got I've got an opportunity here to close. And he did. And he finished his check into the boards hard, and that's all you can ask. Like I think one of the things that I really like about watching him in the AHL is he's got sneaky speed. His hands are pretty solid when he's got the puck on his stick. He mentions that in that interview he would have had to he would have liked to have the puck a little bit more, but once again, six minutes of ice time against a pretty good Oilers team that's cruising right now. Um, but I, I like how he used his speed to get to his spots and lay some pretty big hits on the forecheck on some of those defensemen. Um, it's something he can do, right? He'll take a bite out of you. He did it in the A, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he does it in the NHL as well. Um, where do you think he fits in here when eventually Peltier and Rooney come back to the lineup? Like, the one thing about him is that every time they've Can't thrown... Can't size. Well, that's not what I was going to say. Okay. The, the one thing is every time they've thrown kind of a new challenge at him, a new hurdle at him, like, hey, come over to North America. Hey, play with the Wranglers in a bottom six role. Hey, maybe get in a little bit of a more scoring role. He's kind of taken those challenges and, and passed all of them. So I'm fascinated to see how he takes on this most recent challenge because it's a completely different beast when you go to the NHL. But, you know, right now, I don't see a way that he's coming out of the lineup, given what we know about Pospisil's injury, Dylan Dubé's leave of absence. I don't see a way that you're taking him out of the lineup right now. So if he can get a little bit of consistent playing time and, you know, maybe get up to nine minutes of ice time in a game, Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see how quickly he starts to really feel comfortable at this level. Because I think he's got the skills, he's obviously got the size to be some sort of a factor. Is he going to be a top six player at this level? No, probably not. Is he going to be top nine? No, probably not. But as far as like the way that the enforcer role is changing in the NHL and you have to be able to do a little bit more than just punch faces a la AJ Greer, Klapka fits that mold. Yeah, his if he uses his size and physicality, that can keep him in the league. And And my point being that he has the other skills that, you know, he can chip in on a fourth line with sure. a little bit of offense here and there. He's not just a face puncher. So yep. I think that's that's what you have to have if you're on the fourth line. Like, you know, the Milan Lucic situation is different, but you look at Ryan Reeves and how much trouble he's had trying to get in that lineup. And I know a lot of people look down on that contract when he signed it, but I think we also thought he probably would have played more in the first year of that deal than he has up to this point. Mm-hmm. Like, given what they have on that group and, and just what they were lacking. But 
you don't need it anymore. So he's he's a bit of a unicorn, and I think he's got a little bit of staying power at this level. Um, Flames and Blues tomorrow night. I still think they'll go down to the Wranglers at some point again. Sure. But, yeah. Um, Just hockey tonight, and I'll be watching some tennis later. That's me. Um, yeah, what do we got here on the slate? A little, a little hockey puck, uh, six yep. game wraps, Grizz, 530. That's fun. Memphis is pretty good, right? Mm, no. No? No. They got, they don't even is have John Morant? Oh, wait, no, Jaws' season's done, yeah, right? Yeah, he got hurt. Oh, yeah, so never mind. Now he has lots of time to wave around guns on social media. Hell yeah. Uh, Spurs 76ers. <laughs> Wemby. <laughs> Patrick's face after I said that. <laughs> well, he's an idiot. Like, come on. I, he's better now. I okay. Think well, I hope so. He went to did some counseling. I hope whatnot. so. He has to be for yes, his sake, for his career. Also, is just keep his dad away from everybody. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think Nikola, Nikola Jokic's brothers are way more terrifying than. I wouldn't mess with those guys. Those guys. Are... <laughs> you gotta watch out for those handsome Serbians. All right. <laughs> Jokic um, is a gentle man, though. He just loves his horses. Yeah, he, he does. <laughs> he loves horses. Have you seen that video of him riding around on a buggy? Yeah, like oh, this yeah. tiny little carriage. giant human being <laughs> in a little buggy. Yeah, the horse be like, please don't get on top of me. Yeah. <laughs> please don't do this. All right. Uh it's uh it's he time to get the same as me. I'm yeah. a thoroughbred. <laughs> um, it's time to uh debut a brand new segment on our show. We're really excited about it. It's the lock of the day. Brought to you by Metal Supermarkets Calgary, offering a large variety of metal types and shapes, cut to any size and ready fast. Metal Supermarkets Calgary, the convenience store for metal. Located at 50th Avenue Southeast. There you go. Lock of the day. Do we got music? Do we got music at all? Okay. Nice. Or we can do this like changing around every day maybe. Whatever. Okay. Gotta be generic. You got the lock though, right? I do got the the big heavy lock. Lock Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go first. Okay. Uh, We just talked about the Raptors facing off against the Grizz. They're playing at home tonight. Uh, R.J. Barrett's been good since being with the Raptors. Uh, he scored 20, 17, 26, and 24 points. He's had at least 14 attempts in every one of those games. I think he's going to go over his total of 21 and a half points tonight. Hmm. That's my lock of the day. Heavy lock sound, please. Nice. Oh, we also, okay, give your locks, and we'll talk about the bet we got to make. Oh, okay. Me? My next? Yep. Yeah. I got the Vegas money line against the New Jersey Devils. Mm. Vegas is on the road, and they're banged up. They've actually lost six in a row on the road, but they've only played three road games since the break, so it's a little bit of a deceiving stat, but still might be influencing the line. As I mentioned, Vegas is missing a whole bunch of guys, but who's been playing very well lately? Barbashev, Stone, Marcheseau, all top-line players. They've won three in a row at home before heading out on this road trip. They outscored opponents 12-4 in those three games. Oh, and by the way, the Devils have lost three straight games at home, and their goaltending continues to be no good. Vegas is a slight underdog in this game. I'm taking them on the money line. Okay. We're going to go down to Lawrence, Kansas for some college hoops. Love it. Uh, Cincinnati. Love it. Cincinnati. So good. Cincinnati. Where can I watch this game? It's on the three-letter, probably. It's a doubleheader on ESPN. So, yeah, they'll pick it up. Dan yeah. Shulman with the call? Dan Shulman probably on the call. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Dan Shulman's so good at college hoops, too. Yeah, and this is the Kelsey, like, kind of a Kelsey thing. Like, you keep the, the, the vibes going from last night Look with Travis and Jason. Dipping into the natty here. We're going with the Bearcats. They're, four, they're uh, 
Kansas is eight and nine against the spread this year, and they're four and five when they put up when they're an eight and a half point favorite. I like the Bearcats going into Lawrence, keeping that one close. Okay, Cincinnati the covering the spread, eight and a half. Okay. GVP, what's your lock of the day? Uh, I'm going to hop on that a uh, Memphis and Toronto game as well. The Memphis Grizzlies are not good. They've lost four to their last five, uh, including losing by 10 in almost all of those games. So I'm going to take the Raptors to cover the spread in this one. Okay. Are you going to give yourself a so What is the spread? Uh, seven. Okay. We'll keep track of our records. Mm-hmm. we got to think of like some wager, some bet between the four mm. of us on who has uh, the locks. Who's locks we the day? We can do it like monthly type of thing. Yeah. All right. Well, let's 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 leave that on the back. Put that on the whiteboard. GBP. Okay. Sounds good. Bet for lock of the day between the four of us. What do you got coming up on Mucho Big Show? Well, the Crow Child Classics coming to the Dome on Wednesday. Big uh, big in, oh, in, in, in city college George. hockey game between the Dinos and Cougars. One of my favorite events yeah. all year. And uh, we'll be talking with the goaltender of the UFC Women's Dinos team, Gabriel Durante. One of my first broadcasting gigs was uh, doing the uh, between the benches for the Men's Crow Child Classic when I was oh. still going to Mount Roy. Hell Interesting. Yeah. It's the. Uh, the battle between the two big universities in town, the U of C and Mount Royal. Hmm. Some would say this show sounds like it's a first broadcasting gig. Oh. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. Words hurt sometimes. They do. <laughs> Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. Wherever get your favorite podcatcher. Rate and review and subscribe and stuff. Uh, follow Maddie on Twitter at, I don't remember his Twitter handle. When do you give out our handles? Never. What are you doing right now? <laughs> I, I'm on this? Twitter at George Russick. It's easy. Matt you can Rose. follow me. I do tweet like once a week. Matt Rose. So if you want that. I did find out today that John Cena follows me on Twitter for some oh, reason. Oh, wow. Yeah. He likes my super hot takes on nothing. My my handle is Matt Rose YYC. There you go. What it, follow what him on, and yours is? Patrick underscore Dumont? No, it's Patrick Dumont underscore. Damn it. It's close. Unbelievable. And GVP's is, good luck spelling his last name. Garrett underscore GVP. Okay. All right, there you go. Give all the guys a follow. Have a terrific Monday. <laughs> Enjoy your Flames night off. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog.